Welcome to Clean Dreams. Please pray for me. My name is Troy and I am an alcoholic and an addict. I'd like to welcome you all to our little podcast. If you're involved in any way with the 12 Steps of Recovery, we want you to listen. We want you to, to contribute simply by uh, being present. Our, our objective here is to somehow relay a possible recovery solution to those who can't make it to a meeting. You know, I, I know that there are times when we travel and we're unable to sit down with, with another fellow AA or CA or HA or NA. We want you to be able to log on to cleandreams.us and be able to get what you need. Once again, I'd like to thank uh, Sean C. for um, contributing his time and his talents to producing this little podcast. And I hope that this little podcast is able to help uh, anyone out there that's sick and suffering, or those who have family members that may be suffering from the disease of alcoholism or addiction. Present today in the room with us is beautiful Lainey G. We also have Robert W. And we have Joe H. today. Say hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. Well, as per usual, before we get started, I certainly would like to invite he who presides over us all uh, to come into this room and into our spirit. God, God. please grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to tell the difference. Now tonight I'm going to be working from page 84 of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm going to be uh, reading from the last paragraph where it says, And we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, for by this time sanity would have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted... We recoil from it as from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, and we will find that this has happened automatically. We'll see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We're not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we had been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We are neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. That is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. So true is that for me, because I understand today that uh, there is a certain amount of practicing that I must do on a daily basis. Now, I can't perfect a jump shot if I don't practice that jump shot, you know. And for me, practicing recovery requires that I am vigilant on a daily basis. I continue to take my own inventory and not worry about yours. I pray, I allow myself to be sponsored by another human being. And that to me is a big deal. And I try to reduce the amount of chaos and confusion that I allow into my life. Now, sometimes 
our loved ones come with, you know, their own defects. And they bring chaos and confusion. What the program of Alcoholics Anonymous has taught me is how to deal with that situation. How to walk away. How to say, you know what, you might be right. You know, and let that happen. Because prior to this, I could not, could not reconcile any argument by saying, nah, you know what, you might be right. I couldn't do that. I couldn't say this to, to someone, even if I cared dearly for them, I couldn't say to them that you might be right, I might be wrong. You know what I mean? That combination, for me at least, felt weak. The power that this program has restored to me is the ability to be okay with who I am today and allow you to be who you are, you know? And you know what, I don't always have to be right. You know, sometimes, you know, even if I'm right, I don't have to let somebody know it. You know what I mean? My actions are slotted in such a way that I'm just trying to remain clean and serene. You know what I mean? I'm trying to remain peaceful. I'm trying to keep chaos and confusion over there. You know what I mean? Um, so if we have if, if we have a, a, a an opportunity to to argue, sometimes I would you know look at it and say you know today is not the day that I'm going to die on this hill. Today is not the day that I'm going to argue with you. Today is the day that I'm going to show myself because I'm always under surveillance and I'm not being watched by you. I'm being watched by that alcoholic, that dope fiend inside of me. He wants to see. Am I going to let this thing, whatever it is, upset my apple cart to the extent that it can, right? And I must show something different. I must have a firing solution that is different than anything that it's seen that me do while I was using. So one of the, the most different things that I can do is walk away from an argument. It's brand new stuff, you know, or let somebody else be right. <laughs> All right, you, you might be right, you know, I might be wrong by that. You know, that's brand new stuff for me. You know, uh, I don't know what your experience is with that, but let's chop it up. Thanks. Thanks, Troy. Thanks, Troy. Hey, I'm Sean C. I'm an alcoholic. Hey, hey Sean. Sean. Wow, Troy. Um, that brings me back to probably my first week of being in the program when you told me, you know, let the other guy be right. Doesn't matter what it is. Avoid conflict at all costs. Like the quickest thing that's going to take my ass back out to another drink is going to be um, conflict and resentments. And um, I tell you, when the big book talks about an easier, softer way, not having to constantly battle to prove that I'm right, to prove that I'm smarter, to prove that um, I got something on the other guy has immensely made uh, my interactions and my life and my inner peace a peace that I never had before. Um, because really, I mean, my ego was so big and out of check that I, it didn't even matter what it was, right? I would fight with my wife for an hour and a half about something that didn't matter in the grand scheme of things. And um, saying I'm sorry also was, that was just not in my vocabulary, right? Because <laughs> A, that means that I was wrong or at least, you know, partially wrong in that situation. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, and, and a lot of what you read, um, what I really think of is acceptance, you know, accepting situations for what they are, accepting the fact that I'm not in control of situations. I, I can't control other people, places or things. And um, once again, it goes back to just being being at peace when I when I can accept that things are outside of my control. 
um, and I don't get all up in arms about it. And I mean, you, you know what it feels like when you get all spun up and you feel that anxiety and it flushes your body and then you can't concentrate, you can't think, and then depression kicks in and then, um, you know, I'm kind of rambling on there, but it, it's just so much easier, um, you know, waking up in the, every day, asking God to, you know, remove my desire to drink today, asking for God to um, reveal his will to me and um, for him to give me the strength and power to carry that will out and just really take the day, you know, as it unfolds. Um, so I really like this reading, Troy, and uh, on that I'll yield to my buddy to the left. I'm Joe. I'm an addict alcoholic. Joe. <clears throat> um, yeah, I like this part of the book too. Um, you know, for me here in the past week, I'm I'm gonna kind of veer off a little bit because my mind's kind of elsewhere right now. But um, it talks here about you know sanity has returned, and I'm um, I'm 14 months in, and um, you know here the past week it hasn't been all uh, strippers and burritos. It's been um, it's been pretty rough on, on my neck of the woods. I, um, you know, I've, I'm 14 months clean. And I'm 14 months off of mental health meds. I was by, I was, I am bipolar and I've got uh, clinical anxiety and I've, you know, I'm, I'm don't want to go back to taking medicine if I don't have to. And I've here the past week, I've just been struggling a lot with, um, with anxiety and I'm not willing to accept that this is how it is in sobriety. Uh, I know, I know it could be a lot better, and I'm I'm willing to do anything about it. Um, at this point, I'm not willing to take medicine for for what I'm. I need to overcome because I know this, this feeling will pass, and I and I know that. But in the moment, it just seems so real and just ah, you know. Um, yeah, that's that's all I got right now. You know, Joe, um, I don't know if I ever told you, but my first two years in sobriety, I was on antidepressants, you know, and it's not unusual to find that that's a needed assistance. Um, you know, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to, you know, try to diagnose whatever's going on with you, but, you know, don't feel as if this is something that is defeating you, um, you know, know and understand that you're not alone as you go through whatever it is that you're going through. If you don't pick up a drink or you don't pick up a, a, a drug and, and pour that on top of what's already going on with you, you got to stand, you stand a better chance of a happier life. Um, I know that alcohol is a depressant. So if you're already, uh, you know, predisposed to depression, pouring alcohol in that is not going to do anything better. You know what I mean? So you have a you have a fighting chance, man, and I want to encourage you to continue to do what you've been doing. You know what I mean? And if you need outside help, get it. You know, there's a lot of good stuff out out there, and uh, you know you don't want to put up any 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 stop sign saying no. I'm never going to do never going to do that. If you have something that needs to be attended to, then let the professionals help. Hey, I'm Robert, and I'm alcoholic. Hey, good evening. Um, thanks for inviting me here. And before I, I had my thoughts and, uh, and I'm going to do some cross talk. So if that's okay, because, um, you know, what you were saying, Joe, it's, uh, um, I'll have 14 years in September 13th and about, I guess it was probably about six or seven years in to my sobriety 
you know, I was going through a lot of things. I had a lot of deaths in my family. I was going through a bad divorce, lost a job, a motorcycle accident, and this and that. Ugly and, motorcycle accident. Huh? Ugly oh. motorcycle accident. Yeah, I'm still kind of crippled from it. But uh, uh, so I had a lot of emotional stuff, even though I had some sobriety under my belt. And um, because of my situation, I was spending a lot of time in meetings. One is because I was getting divorced and I didn't have a job. And plus I had a lot of depression, et cetera. But one of the things that I heard in meetings is, um, you know, so I was really, really, I felt like I was pretty spiritually, I was really going at it hundred percent spiritually. Um, but, and I'd hear people say in the rooms, um, cause I was also on uh, depression as on Zoloft, anti-depression medicine. And, uh, which I had been for, since I came back in and 14 years ago. And, and I heard in the room people saying, um, you know, God should be able to heal that and this and that. So in my own self-righteous mind, I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm spiritual enough that God can heal this, this depression. And um, so I just took myself off. I, I didn't even tell my doctor or anything. I just stopped taking it, which I didn't know how dangerous it was because um, um, going off of antidepressant medicines, you either become suicidal or homicidal. And I was very homicidal. And uh, like one day I was just driving to a meeting and this guy was telling me to slow down and I envisioned cracking his skull on a curb. And it's like, and I'm on my way to a spiritual meeting. So, um, um, and then, and then later on I had an outburst where I had a rage attack with my soon to be ex-wife and committed myself to Peachford. So all, and then they put me back on the antidepressant. So I say all that. So what's I, Peachford? Peachford. What I what is Peachford? Oh, Peachford is um, the um, Peachford is the yeah yeah. What do you call it? mental yeah. health clinic? Yeah, I, I was trying to be kind. I I couldn't think of any kind way to describe it, but thank <laughs> well, you. Some, hope, we hope that some people who are not in the area can understand. Here. Right. So the long story is, or the, the short story that I made long is. Uh, they put me on meds. I came out. I talked to my sponsor, and he said pretty much what you said. He said, um, you know, we're not doctors. We're not lawyers. We're not this. You know, we, you, it, we seek – if we don't know the answer, we seek professional help. And you just need to be honest with your doctor, you know. And and uh, and I was, and I'm still on them today. And, and you know, it's just – it's kind of like I need that um, – you know, as spiritual, as big a spiritual giant as I think I am, it's just like if I was diabetic and, you know, I'm going to pray my way through not taking insulin. You know, it's like sometimes, you know, and, and that's my personal opinion because people may have a different opinion. But anyway, that's enough of my crosstalk. But uh, um, originally what I was going to say was uh, about this chapter, and I really like this chapter, The Ten Step Promises, you know, and, and I think for me, um, you got to get the, you got to do the nine steps before to get the promises in number 10, which means I've done one through nine and, uh, you know, everything from surrendering, which is what, you know, it kind of talks about, we'd open up with cease fighting anything or everyone, you know, my first, my first effort at that was I give up. I can't do this on my own. I'll do whatever you guys tell me to do. I, I'm desperate and I want, I can't stop drinking, um, on my own and whatever you guys tell me I will do because that's how desperate I am. And, uh, and I still have to have that um, surrender every day because as it talks about in the third step is my ego jumps in and I become selfish and self-centered. And just because I don't drink doesn't mean that I don't become selfish and self-centered. I mean, even sitting at this table, I was intimidated by the technology and everything. It's like I have no problem spewing in meetings, but sitting in front of a microphone that's recorded I become very, oh, geez, what am I going to say? How am I going to sound? You know, all selfish and self-centered, my ego. What's what people think of me? You know, and it's, and that's just pride and ego. And, 
and that's not that's not what I want to be. I don't want to be. Um, I want to be free of all that bondage of self. I want to be free, um, and I am free. And then the other thing I think, what I what I what I hear is this, or what I've learned is that you know it's spiritual spiritual progress, not perfection, which means kind of like what you were talking about, Joe, is that uh, you know there's days that um, I'm a spiritual giant. There's days I'm just crazy as a loon, you know. But the difference is. Today, I know what to do. And, uh, you know, this is step 10 is doing spot checks inventory, um, uh, not the morning inventory or the nightly inventory, which is 11, but just through the day. So if I'm doing something that I'm um, alienating somebody or, you know, uh, you're just not doing the right next right thing, that's when step 10 teaches me, we'll sit back. And, you know, it talks about before if, uh, if I was selfish, dishonest, resentful, or fearful, just like now, I was fearful. I'm fearful in this environment, not you guys, but just the, just being on, you know, on the recorded medium. Um, and I prayed. So I just said, God, help me. You know, it's, it's, it's just crazy. It doesn't make sense. It's not logical. A lot of my fears are not logical. But, but I drank over those fears that were illogical and irrational. And, and I feel fine now. Um, so anyway, um, um, you know, I do those spot check inventories, and then I make amends quickly. And it says, you know, ask God to remove them once, discuss them with somebody immediately, and make amends if I harm somebody. And if I do that, I'm keeping the slate clean, you know. And, and I'd like to say I do that all the time, but I don't. But at least, you know, I can go back, and then at the end of the night, I do a nightly inventory, and I can say, oh, man, I was a real jerk with this guy. I need to, you know, I need to make, make do. Uh, and I do. And you know what? It's so much easier because then it's done. And I feel like weight's lifted off of me. So, you know, and, th- and all that baggage is what separates me from the sunlight of the spirit, separates me from God. And when I'm tight with God, it's, uh, that is the easier, softer way for me. The selfish and self-centered way is, it's just managing chaos. It's, and it's, it's no way to live, you know. And when I'm tight with God, I don't mind circling back. Circling back and saying, you know, yesterday when, when I said what I said, I should have not said that. And I won't say that to you again. Please forgive me. You know, circling back, you know, really, I get that from being tight with God. Mm-hmm. Without that, without being close to a God that I don't understand, I would my pride would, would prevent me from coming back and, and making any type of and, it, and, and that's nice what you said, Troy, because that also just that just established humi- humility, and it kind of right sizes me, you know. Because sometimes I'm either way too small and too inferior, or I'm just too great. And it's like I just need to be cool with whatever I am. I'm not the biggest guy. I'm not the little guy. I'm just. I'm in harmony. Yeah, I'm in harmony with with the universe. So. Yeah. 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 Great, it's my turn. <laughs> I'm Lainey, I'm an alcoholic and an addict. Hey, um, Yeah, a lot of really good stuff has been said tonight. Um, you know, first of all, I, I guess we're talking about the 10-step promises, um, how we, you know, the obsession has been removed. Um, I, when I first stopped doing everything I was doing and started with AA, I didn't think the obsession was ever going to be removed. And then, you know, 20 months later, I don't even think about drinking anymore or using or anything like that and it blows my mind completely because I'm I'm surrounded by it I mean I live in the in the heart of Atlanta and my friends and I go to Buckhead all the time and I never thought that it would be so easy to turn down a drink but it's like second nature to me now um and I guess that's just you know a result of doing the steps and completing this program and continuing to um work on myself um 
you know, and I really like what, how you connected everything to conflict. Um, I've never really had a hard time saying I was sorry, but I have had a hard time stewing in anger and, um, you know what they say about how when you're angry, it's like drinking the poison and, you know, expecting the other person to suffer. Um, but I have definitely felt that, that drug of anger several times in sobriety and it's very hard to get over. The only thing that really heals it is time. Um, you know, just letting things kind of simmer down as, as time goes along. Um, I really like what you said about, um, the medication thing. Um, when I first got sober, I decided also to take myself off of all the antidepressants and whatnot. And, you know, I didn't think anything bad was going to happen. And, um, my first year of sobriety was a freaking roller coaster as a result of it. Um, I got kicked out of my mom's like probably 10 or 15 times. And as a result, I I don't live with her anymore. I've kind of flew in the, flew in the coop, but, (laughs) um, yeah, I didn't think anything of it. I thought, you know, maybe I'll, I won't have as bad a side effects and I won't have any brain fog anymore from all the antidepressants. But um, sobriety, if you, if you go into sobriety and don't have any outside issues, you're very lucky. Um, a lot of people drink as a result of outside issues. And so when you get off of your Band-Aid, um, uh, you don't have a replacement Band-Aid. And so a lot of times it can manifest as other things. Um Mine manifested as anxiety and OCD and bipolar, and um, that ended up manifesting as a pretty bad eating disorder. Um, and, you know, some people end up with gambling addiction, shopping addictions. It's completely transferable, um, but it's about finding what works and figuring it out takes a really long time. But, I mean, I'll reach, I'll go very, very low before I'm ready to ask for outside help. Um, and I have asked for outside help, and, you know, it, it does help. It's a part of setting your ego down and saying that I don't know everything and other people might, um, have something to contribute. And it's also a, a matter of faith, faith that there is hope and, um, faith that some, there, there is a possibility of finding some solution to your problem. Um, it's hard and it's a continual process, but you just have to continue grinding and stay close to your network and be very transparent and open with how you're feeling. Um, that's the only thing that's gotten me through anything without drinking is just being completely transparent, not hiding anything, um, and asking for help when needed. But that's, that's all I got. Yeah, that's great, Lainey. Thank you very much. Because you bring a good point. You know, if I am getting closer to God and God are, is, is bringing all these people into my life, well, why can't one of those people or two of those people be doctors? You know, why can't I allow God to bring a good doctor into my life? You know what I mean? Because my mind thinks that, you know, if, if drugs are involved, then it, it, it's got to be someone shady involved with it. You know, that's not true. What I found living this life as a, as a clean and sober man is that you will find that a lot of the things that you thought you knew, you did not know shit. You didn't know anything about it, but you thought you did. You know what I mean? And and sometimes we still walk around carrying that that thing that we thought we knew, you know, but we're dead wrong in it, but we're carrying it anyway until something happens to, you know, bring us to a point where we must surrender and must admit some things. And first and foremost, I got to be honest with myself. You know what? I don't know shit about this. 
You know what I mean? And then with that acknowledgement, all these gates start falling down and reality pours in. Because of a God that loves me, because I have a God that really is looking out for my benefit, you'll see that people start pouring into your life that can help you with whatever that thing is that was, you know, struggling in the first place. You know, Troy, um, kind of shift gears a minute, I'll talk back about what was said about having to circle back sometimes, you know, or sometimes I don't always um, catch myself in the moment, right, when I'm, when I'm wrong or when I'm, when I'm fighting others for no reason. And I just thought about it when it, when it was shared um, the other day. You know, we, my wife and I were in a rare, rare like, probably once-in-a-lifetime situation where we were both in the market for a new vehicle at the same time. And <clears throat> I went to one dealership and had a great experience, great sales guy. He was like, you know, open, the extroverted, hey, how are you? Really super nice, like, bend over backwards for you, offer you a glass of water, get you a cup of coffee, pull out the chair for the missus, you know, smooth kind of car salesman. And that was the expectation then that was set in my head. And I went, we went to a different dealership a couple of days later and it was, we hadn't planned on it. It was just, there were really good deals going on and um, some good offers. I'm not by any stretch of the imagination, uh, you know, big baller or anything, but uh, you know, we got some good deals and the, uh, so I, the lady I talked to on the phone was also really nice, but I came in and there was this kind of like older frumpier looking, you know, guy who, the lady had like pulled off of his desk like hey there's a customer waiting and he just seemed like you know he was kind of grumpy kind of in a bad mood I had like I was bothering him as the as what I had took from it and so immediately on my mind closed right I'm like screw this guy I don't want to work with this guy he is not he clearly doesn't want my business right my ego kicks in right like you should you should uh you know why aren't you rolling out the red carpet for me so I would go over to the bullpen you know and can you know grab the first manager I could find and like hey you know I don't know what this guy's deal is but you know basically just trashing the guy fast forward like 20 minutes I'm in a test drive with this guy now and we're in the same car together and we start talking and uh, I won't spare all the details but half hour later he was the nicest friendliest most knowledgeable helpful like let's pull it over here let me show you some features open it up let me make sure you understand everything like I don't like Listen, I don't want to sell you this. Are you sure you guys could do it? You talk, you know, you had another car. Like, I had to go back to the manager and pull him aside <laughs> an hour later and say, "Hey, man, listen, um, I was wrong about, you know, I won't say his name, but I was wrong about this gentleman, and, and uh, it was all me. I had expectations in my mind of how he should be, and it was nothing he did wrong. It was entirely me. I say this not because I'm an awesome human being and and look how great I, I am. The program taught me to do that. And there's no way in hell I would have done that without without hanging out with you guys and listening to the stories and learning um, f from things that you, you all have shared on how to humble myself or when I have to humble myself, even if I don't want to, right? In that situation, it was the right thing to do because, and I was like, I don't want this guy to get in trouble. The guy was really awesome, but um, I learned a big lesson from that too because I made a snap judgment, right? My expectations were based on what I wanted and um, I thought he should be a certain way and um, just totally wasn't right of me to project all that on this poor guy who's trying to, you know, just making it make make a living. Um, so I guess that, that's all I got. I know it was kind of off topic where we were going, but I, I thought about just circling back, admitting when we're wrong, and trying to make amends as quickly as possible. Thanks, Sean. Uh, Joe, <clears throat> alcoholic addict. <clears throat> so about um, 
So it's been about 10 months. I came home on a pass from rehab and I went to an eight o'clock meeting and I met this man. So you oh. <laughs> sitting right next to me. And, um, you know, part of the past thing for rehab is you're supposed to like soil your roots in your community. So I was, I was home now. <clears throat> my goal was to find a temporary sponsor. And, uh, Troy was sitting next to me at the meeting, small meeting. And I like what Troy shared. And, you know, we, we sat back and, and talked for a while after the meeting and asked me my temporary sponsor. And, um, 10 months later, you know, here we are, we're still, still doing the thing, you know, um, but God puts people in my life every day. Um, and it's really incredible because, you know, I, I reached a certain point when I got home from rehab and in a roundabout way, I was kind of telling Troy to kick rocks. Cause I, I thought I could, I could do this thing. I, I got this now, you know, everything's good, you know, and, and a lot of things happened. My dog got hit by a car. I had to go serve time in jail. You got hit by a car. I got hit by a car as well. Um, same street, different car. <laughs> and um, anyways, I had to go to jail for a month for an old probation violation. And, um, you know, back before I went to jail, I was real complacent. And I had reached out to Troy. You know, I was, you know. I'm not getting any better. I need, you know, I, I need to get back in this. And, you know, he told me, oh, well, tomorrow, you know, eight o'clock, you know, come over or whatever. And, and I have to go, you know, go back to jail. So anyways, I got back into the program in jail, you know, got back into the book, read the, the book front to back a half dozen times. And, you know, when I got out, I, it's been nonstop since. And that was back in what, March, March, April, April, something like that. And, um, anyways, you know, God, God just puts people into my life and, you know, without my sponsor, Troy, um, I wouldn't be where I am now. I, I think I would have been in a pretty bad situation. And, you know, Troy, I, I, I fought in you tooth and nail in a roundabout way for a lot of things. You know that. Well, you're a good fighter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, when you, when, but when you talk about that story about being locked up, why don't you share about how God used you, even in yeah, jail? Yeah, that's right. Um, so I had done um, about 40 months in prison for some, some drug charges back back in 2010. Um, and I was incarcerated in, in Forsyth County with somebody for God, a few months. And... Um, when I was in Forsyth County again this year, um, I had seen the guy and, um, you know, he was coming off a of methamphetamine and, uh, he was in, he was in pretty bad shape. And anyways, um, after a few days, after he, he got some rest, um, you know, we kind of linked up on the yard talking and you know, he was like, yeah, man, you look, you look good, man. What's, you know, what's you, what you been up to? And I'm like, I went to rehab this past year, you know, I got a third, fourth EY, I got clean, you know, and, and all these blessings started happening, and, you know, my life's really turning around, he's like, man, you know, I, I want that, you know, I want that, you know, and he had just gotten another methamphetamine charge, and so we, we were talking, you know, and at, at this point in time, my cousin was running the rehab that I had graduated from down in South Georgia, and um, I had reached out to my family, and my family had reached out to Jason, who I gave the other guy's information to, my family, and gave it to Jason. And my cousin Jason called Forsyth County 
and arranged for him to talk to one of the workers there at, at Forsyth County. And, and then he ended up getting out of jail six months early and got into treatment. So I had actually done some 12-step work while incarcerated. And, um, and when I first got there, I was really struggling trying to figure out why why God had put me back in jail in sobriety. Like, I, I, don't, I don't, you know, in sobriety, I don't, I don't feel like I deserve to be in jail anymore. And uh, God answered my my prayer. And um, it was really, really a beautiful thing. So I came out of a jail uh, stronger, much stronger person. Yeah. yeah, it was beautiful. So be encouraged, you know. Um, you know, sometimes because we are who we are, we have these automatic forgetters, you know what I mean? I cannot forget what God has done in my life. You know what I mean? I, you know, I want all the goodies that God has got for me, you know, but sometimes I go through some stuff. But what this program has taught me is that the stuff that I go through now is not just for me. Sometimes it's for this guy that I haven't even met yet. He's six months down the road and I have to have this experience now in order for me to be of some help to that person then. You know what I mean? So I cannot project into the future what it is that God wants me to do. So whenever I'm up against a challenge today, I understand that God is in that challenge with me. It's okay, I believe, to struggle in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's okay to struggle in the program of recovery, you know, because God's in that struggle with me. I'm not alone. And then I've got all of you with me as well to encourage and to, to bless me with, with your experience, your strength, and your hope. You know? Robert Alcoholic? Yeah, that's a, that's, um, that's a great discussion. And, um, you know, I was sharing that, uh, you know, I was having that difficult time with going through the divorce and death and, and stuff. And, and what's interesting that you say is that while I was going through um, like my divorce and it was, uh, it was my wife wanted the divorce, not me. Um, you know, all of a sudden all these guys that are in the same boat as me come into it. So it's like, like what you say is, you know, you, you feel like this, this weight is on you and then it's um, you know, and you get through it and then you have the, uh, just like, just like the, the alcoholism is, is, you know, I, I, you go through hell and you get on the other side of not drinking you've got a story to tell you know, a compelling story. And, um, um, and even my sponsor, I can remember my sponsor at the time, he, he had been married five times <laughs> and he said, he said, he I said, you're only allowed three. <laughs> he said, he says, I don't know how to have, have, have a good marriage, but I do know how to have a bad marriage. <laughs> and at the time, and, and we would have, we would have discussions and, and I was seeing a marriage counselor. I was seeing a psychiatrist. I was seeing a, a therapist and the best advice I got was from my sponsor who had been married five times and, you know, who was free. The other ones I was paying for. Um, but uh, and then even the motorcycle accident, um, you know, a, a, a guy in the program, same thing, you know, severed his leg and they sewed it back on, you know. And, and I remember visiting him in the hospital. It's just, you know, it's just um, you, you don't know it at the time. I mean, you just don't know it. And uh and and the reality is, like you said, Troy, is is God carries you through it. You just gotta I, I gotta trust him, not you. I've gotta trust him. And 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 the good thing about it is is the more iterations you go through that and you're like, I live, I'm okay. And you know what? I'm you know, like 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 I'm I'm whining about my divorce, but I'm married to a beautiful woman, you know, who it would have never happened had that not happened. Not not that I'm encouraging it, you know. Um, 
infidelity or the separation of the marriage. But it's like, you know, like while I was going through the struggle, um, you know, all I could see is this wife left my, my wife left me and I'm hurt and, you know, the pride and all this other stuff and, and not seeing my part. And I had a lot of anger and fear. And then I had to do, I had to do numerous, um, fourth and fifth steps around that issue where I could see my part in it is that I'm not a victim because immediately I'm a victim because she's, she's, she's making the decision, not me. So I'm the victim in this. And, and the reality is, is I have as much part, I had a big part and, you know, and, and did things to drive her away in sobriety. You know, it's not like my drunken debauchery because uh, I married her while I was sober, but, um, but I could see my part and, and now we have a good relationship, my ex-wife and I, and, uh, and I have a, a wonderful wife now who's in the program and, uh, you know, it's like, it's just miraculous that, you know, it's like, you could, I could never plan this out. It, it happens um, better than the way I could have planned it out, which is good because I always try to plan out my life. And now it's just, it's, it's like participating instead of trying to direct it, you know, and it's, it is so much easier to, to not try to direct the world. It, I mean, it's just like, you just got to show up. I think it's a setup, you know, when, when my mind tells me that I need to be in charge and I need to be directing and uh, I'm setting myself up for disappointment, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Because what that means is that everybody else has to march to my drum and that ain't going to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, that is not going to happen. So I believe that allowing people to be who they are, allowing situations to unfold and being prayerful through it all is the only way that I'm going to maintain my peace, mm -hmm. my serenity, Absolutely. you know, and, and be in harmony with, with those around me. Now I can help somebody. Right. You know, now I'm fit to help somebody because I'm not just overcome by what the world is doing to me. Right. You know, Troy is not a victim. You know, yeah. I've actually uh, gained some victory, you know. And the alcoholic. Hey, um, yeah, I've heard a lot tonight about human connection and, um, I mean, about how we're put in situations that we don't expect to be in where God puts somebody in our lives that is meant to help us. Um, and, you know, I've always been kind of, I, I've acted like a victim a lot of my life. Um, but there's been so many opportunities where I've been able to use my experiences to help other people. Um, and a lot, everything I've learned is that basically like you don't go through these trials and tribulations for nothing. It's all so that it, it's also that your story can inspire another person. Um, and you know, that's where you, that's where you really see God. Um, when I was first getting sober, I remember all these different little God shots were happening. It was because I was like awakening, um, you know, like all these different connections that I didn't expect to happen would just completely blow my mind. Um, like even just this lady I met in rehab, she ended up having a story very similar to mine where she took her addiction a lot further than I did. And it was kind of like a, um, really a warning as to what could have really happened. Um, and it, it was a grace that I'd stopped. Um, but yeah, I mean, a human connection, um, 
kind of lost where I was going with it, but on to you, Troy. But you see how relative it is in mm-hmm. your sobriety. You know what I mean? It really speaks to the fact that I can't do this by myself. Mm-hmm. I do need other people. And I can't choose the people I need, but what I can do is be prayerful and ask God to please bring people into my life that I can help and that can help me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And 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 that, for me at least, is a, a way of, of being free of and encumbered by self. You know what I mean? Um, because I'm so, I'm so selfish. You know, under under everything, there is this selfish person called Troy. You know what I mean? So in order for God to to work with me, He's got to remove that self. I've got to ask God to remove self so that I can be of some help to somebody else. You know, does it make sense? I, it may not make sense to me, but that's all right. You know what I mean? It gets me to my right size in the universe of things. So I hope that this little podcast was able to reach you. I hope you heard some little bit of solution. Um, Please feel free to log on to cleandreams.us. And you can also find us on iTunes. We're so glad that you're able to sit with us today. So glad to have you guys as guests. You guys did a fantastic job. I love you guys, and I I, I hope that uh, you know you go from this place safer and and uh, more fulfilled than you've ever been. Thanks again. Have a good night.